Most sales development reps are booking meetings for account executives. And I have always likened a newly booked meeting to a medical record. You know, when I was a kid, I would go see the physician. I'd be sitting in the exam room kind of waiting for the doctor to come down the hall. And every time they did, they would pull the clipboard off the door and they'd come in. Oh, hey, how you doing, Ralph? While they're flipping through the chart, kind of getting caught up on why they're even visiting me today. Same thing with a meeting. You know, a lot of SDRs will book a great meeting, but they won't include a lot of the color and context that an account executive needs in order to truly grab the baton and carry it on from there. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was my friend, Ralph Barcy. Ralph's the Vice President of Global Inside Sales at Trey.io, and he's also a great rock drummer. And in this episode, I talk with Ralph about his four standards of excellence for sales. That's performance, process, proficiency, and professionalism. So we dig into the story of how Ralph developed these standards and why they're so important. And then we're going to dive into how he implements and measures his sellers against these standards in his organization. And of course, Ralph and I talk about books. We both are always reading several books at the same time. And anytime he and I get together and talk, we always, he always has some great recommendations for books for sellers and managers. So stick around. Another great conversation with my friend Ralph Barcy. Now, before we get to Ralph, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Well, Ralph, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Andy. Great to be back. I mean, you were just here. I mean, you can come more frequently. You can, you know, you're on that list of people who can come when open invitation, come whenever you want. You're a good man. I'll probably take you up on that. Thank you. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We, we're going to talk about something we, we sort of touched on last time you were here, which is your four standards of excellence, performance, process, proficiency, and professionalism. And I've got some other topics to talk about too. But I'm talking to Ralph Barcy. We have to talk about books. Ooh, let's do that. All right. So I've got three that I've read recently that, that I really like. That, and I've got, actually, I've got more, but they haven't been released yet, and they won't be released by the time we release this episode, so I don't want to talk about them yet. Yeah. But uh, so first one, and I really enjoyed this book. Maybe you've read it. It's, called, uh, it's being released in a second edition um, here. It's Selling with Noble Purpose. How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud by Lisa McLeod. So have you read that one? I haven't. haven't heard of it. I just wrote it down. Oh, excellent book. Um, and yeah, not just because I'm <laughs> philosophically aligned with a lot of what she said, but I just I was, did a great job of, of talking about it. But it's just a, yeah, an excellent job showing that sellers and sales teams that are motivated by a, a specific purpose, mm. you know, relating to how they change the lives of their customers perform at a higher level. And she, you know, she does job, you know, citing research about that and so on. And I, and I, I think it's so great, right? Because, you know, money's not really the motivator for sales. I, uh, personally, it never was for me. I never thought about my check until it was in my hand. Um, and it's just, yeah, identifying what this purpose is doesn't have to be abstract. Actually, it should be fairly concisely written and it aligns with something that I've used for years with companies I've worked with. We try to distill into five words what what it is we deliver from a value perspective for the the buyer. And yeah, just 
an excellent book all the way around. I look forward to reading it. Uh, was it just published this year? Well, the original book was published maybe 10 years ago. Oh, wow. So she's updated it. And um, yeah, she's going to be on the show shortly. Well, we can you know, always use more of that theme, especially in our profession. You know, beyond the money, what's the real purpose? You know, how are you a contributor of value to the profession, to the marketplace, mm -hmm. to those around you all day long? Yeah. Well, and the thing that I, I like about something like this too is, is, and I want to get into this in our, the main body of our conversation though, is that, is that when I really look at, and I, I tried to bring this out in, in my books and the stuff I, I produce, is that I think the difference between yeah, the people that are consistently at the top of the pile and the rest is as much about the perspective of what they're doing as opposed to their skills, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, because I think you know people get skilled to a certain point, and then beyond that, the differences are pretty small. But what really makes things different for people, I believe, is is their perspective, their purpose, their their mindset. You know, the things that that um, are a little more personal, individual. Yeah, and it's and it's even more powerful when they actually share what they're learning. Yes. You know, when they give that stuff back to all of us, that's when the rubber meets the road. Yeah, and you and I were talking about this right before we started recording is 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 this this giving back to the profession idea, I think is is something that we don't talk enough about is that it seems like we have a a generation gap and not perhaps in the conventional sense that we usually talk about, but this gap meaning too much of what I, at least my perception of what I, when I look at the books published about sales and so on is, is there's not enough coming from people 40 and under. True. And we really need it. We really need it. Those are the voices and the thought leaders that are really going to drive this profession going forward. And we, we just need to see more from that group. We do. And, you know, it could be one of two things. Either they're not producing the, the material for us to learn from, or you and I don't know where to go see it. You know, maybe it is being published and it is out there. We just don't know what channel uh, to find well, it from. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty omnivorous when it comes to this stuff, <laughs> and and I'm and I'm really talking about long form, right? It's not that people aren't producing content. Heaven oh, forbid, yeah. I mean, people are producing ton of content. Plenty but of I, that. <laughs> to me, there's a difference about long form writing a book, right? And you shared a quote with me. Can you share that again? Um, yeah, about of course. The, the value of writing a book. Yeah, it's from a gentleman named Shane Parrish, uh, who said. Oh, yeah who said, uh, writing is often the process by which you realize that you don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> that is so much the case. So true. And, yeah. And I, I, I speak from personal experience on that. So I, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll put this offer out there for people. Yeah, if you're 40 and under and you're thinking about making your mark by writing a book and you think you need some help, contact me, let me know. Right. Um, I'm working with a bunch of people right now that are in that demographic because this is a passion of mine is I want new voices, new voices thinking, uh, thinking radically about what we need to do and challenging the status quo. So here, here, uh, yeah, 
connect with me at LinkedIn. I love it. Well, I'm LinkedIn. Uh, Go ahead. So, what's on your list? That yeah. You've read? So, uh, I took this from you know, I, uh, aside from your podcast, Andy, I also find myself listening to Tim Ferriss every now and then. Mm-hmm. And sometimes oh. when he's on vacation, he'll have somebody, you know, guest host. And right. recently, he had he had someone from the VC world. Uh, I think her name's Anne. Anne Mira Co is her name, uh, mm-hmm. and she she got onto the podcast. She delivered three great titles uh, that are in her library, and I took one of them. It's called "How Will You Measure Your Life." by Clayton Ooh. M. Christensen. And it's, yeah. it's funny that you just suggested the title you shared because it's a very similar theme. It's just, you know, how are you measuring your life? Is it really by your activity level every day if you're in sales? You know, the number of emails and calls? You know, or is it how many times you've hit or missed quota? Uh, or is it, you know, more around the number of people you've impacted? Hopefully positively. Yeah, I mean, I was I I wrote about this last week on LinkedIn. Is yeah, after I'd been in sales for nearly twenty five years and worked for a variety of startups and exits and traveling four hundred thousand miles a year, made the conscious decision to stop. And it was all in the sort of this vein of of you know how you measure your life. I mean, for me, I'd missed a my daughter's birthday, the first time I'd missed a birthday, mm. and. Yeah, that that was such an eye-opening thing. I'd never have thought I would have been that person. And uh yeah, and within a year I'd start my own company. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I'm gonna take a step back. And the thing I was most proud of, and you're talking about measuring thing, is at the time my son was Alec, who's the producer on the show. Uh he was in sixth grade, and my daughter's in fourth. And from that point to the time they graduated high school, both of them. I didn't miss you know, a theater performance, a dance recital, a cross game, a soccer game. I was that dad that went to every single one of them. Mm. And for me, that's like maybe the most important thing I've done. Yeah, it's what matters most. It's what should yeah. matter most. And I've been very fortunate in, in life and business and so on to, yeah, to be... <laughs> You know, reasonably well off, and you know, could could do those types of things. But it's it's it was a sacrifice. I mean, I got off from a career perspective. You know, I sort of got on a completely different track. Um, but you never regret it. No, no, uh, that that's that's a great story. I really appreciate you sharing it. Being the father of three, uh, it resonates big time. And uh, I, you know, I hope a lot of people hear that and are influenced by it. Well, you. you yeah, well, I hope so too. And you miss a lot, but you have to. That's okay. I mean, you miss stuff professionally. I so I sort of limited myself for almost a decade to work, you know, two days a week, and I had to be in Southern California. Yep. So doing consulting projects, so and so, and <laughs> one client in particular that I was running sales for him, I did basically on a two to two and three days a week uh, basis for four years. Um, doubled sales, sold the company successfully. But I was like, yeah, he used to get frustrated because like, nope, leave him. Got to get back to San Diego for a lacrosse game or right. my daughter's got to dance, a theater performance or something. And it's like, yeah, you just make those choices. I think that's a great a great book. Um, well, just two other I'll mention, sort of in the same breath that I read that I really enjoyed. And, and people don't think about this. And these are 
both uh, one was an episode we published last week. One's coming up in a couple of weeks. Books about team building and culture. Mm-hmm. And one was a guy named Mike Robbins, who's in the Bay Area, a book called Together, Creating a Team Culture of High Performance, Trust, and Belonging. And he's a former professional baseball player, but he's been in the sort of culture leadership biz for a while. And um, I really liked it because when you when – you, and the other one was uh, Todd Davis, who's the chief people officer of Franklin Covey. His book called Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build More Effective Relationships at Work. And when you read them, though, they're, they're really about sales. <laughs> I mean, you can look at everything through sort of a sales lens. But, you know, if you're working on a complex sale with multiple stakeholders, you really are building a team. Oh, yeah. And you oh, need yeah. to be looking at it from that perspective. And so some of the lessons from these books about how to, how to build a team of aligned stakeholders um, really, really relate to, to what we do day to day on sales. So I, I recommend both those books. And of course, you'll take away lessons beyond, beyond sales. But um, yeah, I'd recommend those as well. Yeah, I'd add uh, two more. How about that? The first is uh, Team of Teams from Stanley okay. McChrystal. Uh, oh, yeah. General McChrystal. General McChrystal talking about, uh, you know, leveraging decentralized leadership uh, in combat, but then also, uh, you know, in times of peace. And yes. of course, like you, I usually read pretty much everything with a sales lens on and try to see what's transferable. And it's usually everything. Uh, the the second book, um, is it's probably more HR centric, but it's written by Stan slap. It's called under the hood. Okay. Uh, really about driving team culture and really how culture trumps strategy and, uh, two just killer books, uh, for most endeavors. Excellent. Well, all three in terms of Clayton Christensen's book too. Oh yeah. Yep. Unfortunately he passed away recently, but, um, yeah, definitely check that out. His book's fabulous. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously his signature book, The Innovator's Dilemma, was a yeah, hugely influential book. So, um, all right. Well, we're going to talk about standards of excellence in sales. And I said we, in the preface we started talking about this, you know, these four standards that you create for performance, process, proficiency, and professionalism. So how did you arrive at these this concept of the standards of excellence. Sure. So I've um, tailored and morphed and evolved them uh, from a couple different organizations. I think they may have originated in uh, EMC's corporation. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was with their field organization or otherwise, but uh, a lot of leadership from EMC went over to ServiceNow. And I was at ServiceNow just under four years, and we adopted a lot of the standards at ServiceNow that were being used at EMC for our mm-hmm. sales development organization. And, you know, since I've been at Trey now almost a year, uh, we have adopted them here and tailored them to our environment. And uh, th- I've just seen them work over and over again for a lot of different reasons. And I'm such a huge fan of them that I was excited you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I guess first question about these is sort of these uh, individual standards, organizational standards, both? Uh, well, they're, they're meant to be both. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, the latter organizational, I mean, I could see it across the enterprise, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm using it today for the inside sales organization. 
but a lot of uh, you know business units have come to us saying, "Hey, what is that again? What are those standards? How are you doing them?" Uh, because you know a lot of sales development reps, as you know, they're aspiring to get off that sales development team as fast as they can. Yeah, so, the primary you know, <laughs> motivation, I think. <laughs> yeah, so they want to they want to produce, they want to hit their quota consistently, and they want out. Uh, most of them want to become individual contributors in the field, uh, but others go to you know different teams, whether it's in finance, marketing, HR, uh, right. and, and you know they use the sales development time as that um, you know farming time, I guess. Uh, well, time to decide what they don't want to do as well as yeah. what they do. Yeah, they qualify yeah. and disqualify. You're correct. Right. So anyway, we, we have found it very effective, especially when these SDRs become real tenured in the role, and now they're eligible to be promoted from within. Uh, and it's helpful to them. And it's also helpful to hiring managers of those next teams uh, to see how these individuals go into the individual part you mm -hmm. asked about, uh, are, you know, qualifying and quantifying their work. And so we've basically broken it out into what you mentioned, these four P's will measure on a monthly basis, how well an SDR is doing performance wise. And each P by the way, is broken into three subsections. So performance is quota, which is in our organization, it's meetings or new opportunities for the pipeline. The sec mm -hmm. second piece is emails. And the third piece is phone calls. So it's just daily activity, how well you're doing against, you know, what we think is going to, to uh, increase the probability of converting quality meetings to opportunities. And so it's a combination of quantity and quality though, because the ultimate the quality comes through in the meeting set and so on. Correct. So, okay. and we can walk through the other, the other P's, but the, Understand that for each category, if you will, there's there's what we call readiness criteria, where you're basically ranking how well someone's doing between five and one. So five is they're greatly exceeding standards, whereas one is they're below standards. So they get this score for every subcategory under every um, heading. And that discussion is had at the end of every month. First of all, they'll do a self-assessment, how well they think they did. Then their manager will do the assessment. And what, co what comes after that is a conversation. And more often than not, they're talking about the SDR's career arc and or desired career path. Mm. And a lot of times organizations do that maybe once a year. Right. You know, maybe a few times a year. Uh, so there's a lot of goodness to it because, uh, you know, SDRs are learning in real time really where the gaps are because we're both able to quantify where those gaps are. And they can focus on them. They can fine tune them. And once they take a step out and realize, oh, wait, this is really for my benefit. This is really mm -hmm. to set me up for success. It's to prepare me for my next role. It's also to help me master the craft in the current role I was hired for. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. everybody wins. Interesting. So, so for quota emails and phone calls, each one, you said you rank a monthly on a them on a one to five scale. And that's, that is true, but that's, it's very black and white, very straightforward. I mean, you can't, okay. you can't argue with the metrics, but once you start okay. getting into proficiency, once you start starting getting into uh, process professionalism, that's where it gets a little more subjective. And that's okay. really well, where the meat we'll, and potatoes of these discussions happen. Yeah. Well, well, we'll get to that and we'll get to those. So, so, okay. You do this monthly, you do this assessment. Um, so how does that 
tie then to like the time the coaches spend on coaching or the managers spend on coaching. I mean, is is are they coaching to these criteria or how does that work? Yep. So the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, every month. So the output of these discussions is you essentially get a sheet that stack ranks all the reps on the team. Uh, but it gets into granular detail about, well, if you look under proficiency, specifically under product knowledge, someone might score a two versus a four. And so that uh, is a signal or indicator to the frontline leader that we need to coach on product knowledge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, the organizations that have um, full-fledged learning platforms can point right to those specific modules or certification processes around product knowledge to make sure that that rep gets back on track uh, and gets proficient in understanding the product or understanding industry trends, which then lead to objection handling, et cetera. And that score the next month could go from a two to a three or from a two to a four. And we know that we've assessed and addressed that specific gap. Got it. And so what you're looking for is, are you looking for sort of a continuous you know, upward trend in this? Or, I mean, when you're looking at evaluating something for, for pro- promotion, excuse me, uh, after they've been there a period of time, because I'm just thinking is, is, at least in certain sales positions, is you could be taking on new types of accounts that are more difficult, require new knowledge, new skill set, perhaps to to accomplish what you might have done before with a different set of accounts, and you know your ready readiness criteria could be suffering, but you could be actually <laughs> handling a more difficult job, so it's okay. Yes, yes. I mean, ultimately and ideally, of course, we would like to see you know that upward trend. But to your point, you know, let's say a, a, a again, we'll use the SDR. As our example, let's say they're in mm-hmm. the latter part of their tenure as an SDR, and they've already been very clear with the business that they're aspiring to become an account executive. Well, we, uh, the leadership team, will focus on honing in their skills uh, as they relate to being an individual contributor. So it could be we're discussing negotiation more. We're talking mm-hmm. about the legal process. Uh, we're talking about, to your point, selling to the enterprise and uh, you know, being the conductor of that orchestra, making sure that you're, mm-hmm. you know, rallying all the right stakeholders in the enterprise, et cetera. And that's done by way of shadowing. It's done by way of other learning modules, et cetera. But uh, and you may not see an upward trend uh, in that respect because they are learning it for the first time, and it's not their, right. it's not the role that they're in at that moment. So all of that is taken into account. But the great thing about the standards of excellence is, okay, we've got four key areas of focus that we can start with. And then we understand that it's a holistic uh, approach and evaluation that we take with every individual. And so there's a lot of kind of uh, non-tangible things that we might want to look at as well when, when making the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, like, I love the fact that, that you attempt to measure the intangible, which I think is, is important. Um, as sort of a counterbalance to just you know, strictly going on the quantity of, of the tangible. Yep. Um, so when you're looking at performance though, and this, we sort of touched on this earlier in the conversation is, is and this is one thing that you know, I spend a bunch of time thinking about is, you know, what really drives enhanced performance. Mm, yeah. We and, talked about this last time. You're right. And 
yeah, for me, there's sort of like, no, five major categories are like skills, uh, behaviors, mindset, acumen, and product knowledge. Yeah. Right. I mean, familiar with the the customer and the product. Uh, put those together. Do you have others? Ooh. Repeat what you just said. Skills. You said acumen. Mindset beliefs. Um, behaviors. You know, habitual ha- habits. Let's say. And then sort of product and customer knowledge together. Right? No. And the reason I bring it up is, is that, yeah, I, I'm, I had a conversation with somebody that, that made the case that, that, you know, training will only take you so far. And, you know, we invest in training, we get people skilled to a certain level. And beyond that, the, the marginal return on more skills-based training is very small. And that what really sets the top performers apart is mindset. And yeah, we could call it perspective. We could call it uh, clarity of 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 purpose about what they're doing, or so on. But it's it's it falls into to mindset. Hundred percent. We can go all day on this one. Yeah. So so how do we train mindset with people? Right? Or do we train mindset, or do we provide perspectives that people can embrace? different perspectives that people can embrace you know, and into their own mindset. I mean, this is, this is one, I think it's, it's a weakness for us in sales. We talk a lot about it, but the mindset tends to, conversations tend to be more toward yeah, sort of personal motivation rather and you know, resilience rather than why am I doing this? What's the purpose of what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And if I'm animated and motivated by my purpose, then I'll be more, more effective. Good friend of mine and colleague uh, recently shared a story with me where uh, he was trying to introduce meditation to his team. Mm-hmm. You know, every morning as a team, this is, of course, when we were all in the office, uh, the yeah. team would sit around in the conference room. And I don't know, I think it was maybe a five minute exercise. And it incorporated meditation. Uh, it could have been some visualization and imaging mm-hmm. and started to really resonate with the team. And that's how. That's an example of how mindset was being coached. Uh, and I use the term uh, the, in the past tense because he's no longer in the office with that team. But also, it was kind of poo-pooed by the company. Once HR heard that he was doing these daily meditations with the team, uh, they discouraged it. and actually, Really? Yeah, and asked him to stop. So to really answer your question, it kind of depends on, you know, you talk about the word embrace. It all comes down to, I mean, does this company embrace this approach? Are they really empowering this leader to do what he or she does best when it comes to coaching and training on mindset? Yeah, this gets to a, a topic I think you and I have touched on in the past is that yeah, change starts from the top. And it seems like a lot of the frustrations some of us feel about how sales is being conducted and I'll use my my general statement, which is, yeah, pretty much the way it's been done for the last hundred years, is there's this reluctance starting at the top to acknowledge that there's better ways to do it. Right. Because they get a certain result the way they're doing it now. But it's it's not optimal. No one, no one should try to kid themselves that, that uh, it's optimal. But, hey, if we stick an arbitrary target in the ground and you hit it, yeah, that's good enough. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's 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 a problem. I mean, I think the meditation thing is a great idea. Mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. I know there's sensitivity. Some, you know, there's a local school district here in San Diego that wouldn't let teachers um, teach mindfulness. Sort of like the same thing five minutes a day because. Yeah, some parents are complaining. They thought that was religious instruction, but um, <laughs> <laughs> fine. But it's it is yeah. I like that. I think that's a great a great thing. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I'd lo- I'd love to see more of it. I'm a big mindset fan. Yeah. Well, I we'll come back and visit that more and more because that's that's that is I think an increasingly big topic. I had a great uh, guest interviewed last week. There'll be the show will come out. By the time people hear this, it'll already been out. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gottfriedson, a professor at Cal State Fullerton, has written extensively about this. He's got a, a book out about mindset and awesome, and a, and a great assessment on his his website uh, over the four so four key pairs of mindset or continuums of mindset. I love it. He gives you something to go do, you know, yeah. with, with what you just learned. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start with the process. Sure. Now, when you're talking about process, what are you talking about overall? sales process or their own personally defined process what what's the the thing that's being measured here it's the former andy it's more overall sales process but uh, you know in in our organization uh the three sub components are you know your crm maintenance uh mm-hmm. your meeting hygiene and your touch patterns so meeting hygiene yep so yeah, we could, t- we could talk about for outbound, uh, outbound or inbound. So okay. m- most sales development reps are booking meetings for account executives, and I have always likened a, a newly booked meeting to a medical record. You know, when I was a kid, I would go see the physician. I'd be sitting in the exam room, kind of waiting for the doctor to come down the hall. And every time they did, they would pull the clipboard off the off the door. <laughs> this is old school. <laughs> No, it still happens. It's it still old happens. school. So they would pull the clipboard off the door and they'd come in. Oh, hey, how you doing, Ralph? While they're flipping through the chart, kind of getting caught up on why they're even visiting me today. Right. Uh, same thing with a meeting. You know, a lot of SDRs will book a great meeting, but they'll just, it, they won't include a lot of the color and context that an account executive needs in order to truly grab the baton and carry it on from there. So we're always we're always examining the meeting hygiene and the degree of that hygiene with our SDRs. And we put it in the standards of excellence. And what was the third component of it? CRM maintenance, meeting hygiene, and? Third's touch pattern. So this just really is, is ensuring that we're complying with or adhering to SLAs that we might have in the organization. Got it. You know, marketing is investing a ton of money to uh, produce one lead and, we have a service level agreement that says, look, when, when an inbound lead comes in and maybe it's scored a particular way, we're going to follow up uh, by way of eight to 10 touches over the next 20 business days. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're measuring uh, the, the reps on, on adherence to that SLA, that we're doing our part in the, in the puzzle. Right. But aren't some of those touch patterns, though, prescribed in the, the sequence cadences you put out? They sure the are sequences you've created. So they sure are. How the, much discretion do they have over that? Yeah. Well, in in a, in a mostly outbound culture, they have a lot more discretion. Okay. Um, and of course, I use the example of an inbound lead, but uh, you know, you asked uh, earlier about outbound, and on the outbound side, that's a big, big deal where they don't really have too much sequences in general going out because it's got to be so highly personalized and customized. Mm-hmm. When, for example, if you're calling into the enterprise. 
and trying to get a net new logo into the pipeline and you've got a prospect into it, yeah, it takes a lot of research, a lot of customization, yep. and uh, a sequence isn't going to do the trick. Yeah. Though, I mean, I, was, I wasn't talking about necessarily the initial, the initial contact, but you know, beyond that, they could be put somebody into a sequence, though. They could. That's, yeah. They could. All right. Um, all right. So what do you think so far? Well, I, I like it. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I like this idea of combining measures on intangibles as well as tangibles, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of being the sole reliance on tangible quant- things that we quantified is, yeah, I think these, these other things really do drive performance, do drive your process. I mean, meeting hygiene, I like the CRM maintenance. I'm a huge fan of. And how do you measure the CRM maintenance, by the way? Um, CRM maintenance, uh, that's basically uh, similar to the meeting notes. You want to make sure that uh, you are putting in the right amount of descriptive notes in a, in a CRM record. You know, you may say next step is, you know, account executive will hold disco call, period. Well, yeah, just, you'll, just, you'll just do the, the disposition drop down. And <laughs> right. Right. Leave if, it there. Yeah. Again, if it's, if it's not in the CRM, it didn't happen. And if you right. even play the long game and you think about, let's say it's that you close win that deal, it's a new customer, and now a year and a half goes by, two years go, go by, and it's up for renewal, you're going to have a, an account manager or customer success manager taking a look at those initial records when they're you know, parachuting in to do their part, and they want as much of the narrative as possible. Absolutely. You know, so we can identify, well, how well did we help resolve these initial critical business issues you were experiencing? Uh, what has surfaced since, et cetera? And if it's just not colored up well in the CRM, you know, it's a, an uphill climb for everybody involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be, theoretically, it should be the entire account record, you know, with emails and you know, all the communications and so on. Just so, yeah, somebody can come in and educate themselves about what's been going on. Exactly. Yeah, I was always, especially in an environment where reps are turning over, what, every 14 months? I mean, <laughs> AEs and SDRs and so on is, yeah, if that information is not in the CRM, it's like, you're toast with all these transitions you have to make and handoffs between new new account management and so on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And retention is so key. NPS is so key. Yep. You know, and if that stuff's missing, uh, it's just, it's a world of hurt. All right. Well, let's talk about proficiency then. The third P. Um how, what are you defining proficiency in? Uh, sure. That's, so that's where product knowledge falls. Uh, okay. Also, the communication skills that you mentioned, that's under proficiency. And then organization and productivity. And how are you measuring productivity? Uh, productivity is we want to make sure that, we're man- that reps are managing their time efficiently and effectively. They're, mm-hmm. they're balancing their responsibilities to the field, uh, to their own manager and team, to their own development. Uh, you know, an example here of what we would put for someone uh, who's a five in the readiness criteria is we'll say something like consistently expands their internal network. You know, they're mm-hmm. seeking outside influence, whether that be, you know, attending a webinar, taking classes, participating in an association. They're aware yeah. of where they are against it. their targets, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I love that that whole thing about expanding their network internally and so on. I, that's... That's the thing. I first thing I've <laughs> excuse me. I think it's the first time I've heard that um, somebody bring that up as something that's important, and it absolutely is important. Yeah. I mean, it's like sales is a team effort. You know, we talked about earlier about team building, right? It's not only with the customer, but you have to build it internally as well. 
um, yeah, I always thought that was something I did extremely well when I was, you know, carrying a bag or even as a, you know, VP is, is I thought it was hugely, hugely important. Yeah. It reminds me of, of story of, you know, people know I'm a big soccer fan, but, but when, uh, Jurgen Klopp took over Liverpool and I don't think this is the only club that does it, but, but, you know, he took the players and these, that was a hundred plus staff members, not just coaching staff, but kitchen staff, you know, because in these soccer teams, they have their own kitchen, you know, feeding them, da-da-da, physical therapist. Da, same like team. Like 100, 125. Same team. He tested the players. They had to know the first names of everybody in that organization. It's beautiful. I love that. I mean, yeah. Just think how often. I mean, I remember working for one CEO who was just despondent one day, uh, the founder of the company and so on. And he's... He said, I said, what's wrong? He says, first time I met somebody for the second time, I couldn't remember their name. Oh, brought him to tears. Oh, he was, hated it. Hated it. Um, because there's more commentary. He said, you know, I, I didn't pay enough attention the first time when I met him. Mm. And, and what, was the, what was the message I was sending because of that? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's one thing to know everybody's first name, but it's another thing to actually call them by their first name. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of people don't do that, Andy. Well, that's where it gets to the fourth P, professionalism, Ralph. Right. Yeah. As, <laughs> as, um, you thought you slipped one by me. Um, You're too, too sharp. <laughs> is, but that's part of it, right, is, is how you treat people. That's right. I mean, so what are the components? This is the last thing we've got time for here today, but let's go through the components of the professionalism. Sure, yeah. It's broken into uh, leadership coachability and teamwork. Yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah. Leadership. Uh, a number five would be an SDR who is a servant leader so mm-hmm. sought by peers for their expertise, an exceptional right. communicator perseveres through the toughest challenges, inspires others. Right. You know, Love just it. top notch. Uh, coachability applies constructive feedback, handle, mm-hmm. handle scrutiny, uh, from improving talk tracks to email copy to presence in the office and around the business runs their own business within the business and is yep. a key contributor to the to the SDR and field Love team. Love it. Yeah, that, that's just that's gets me fired up too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this is this is people can take control of this, right? I mean, it's everyone can. Yeah, they just I don't. Mean, yeah, this is. You can complain about, you know, if you don't throw a product, pricing, features, and so on. But, you know, so many of these things you've, you've been talking about in these four Ps, especially here, is these are things you absolutely have control over. That's right. Yeah, we talked just a second ago about, you know, building your network, network internally. You can do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's up to you. And these are things I think that that maybe seem of secondary importance, but actually in many respects are primary importance. So I mean, if you're trying to get... If you're working as an AE trying to get a, a big deal done and you have to enlist, you know, sales engineering and sales ops and so on, legal and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, if you haven't built that network and you suddenly show up and say, hey, I need your help. And then they have the well, and choice you between are. you and, and the person who's <laughs> who's been cultivating that relationship, uh, you're gonna be waiting That's right. for help. That's right. Yeah, I think those are those are really important. I love that. Yeah, the resources are within you and around you. Uh, you just have to look for them, and they'll appear. We have to put yourself out there, and you have to consider it part of your job. That's right. 
that's just, that's what I like about this this four P thing. And I said this professionalism pillar is that it's not oftentimes specified to people. We sort of the good people sort of do it. May they learn the value of it at another job, or so I told them, or they just intuitively know that they need to work with other people, whatever. But by making it part of the responsibility and that what you measure and assess them on, I love that because yeah, it's not always intuitively obvious to everybody. Right. I'll finish with teamwork. Okay, go. SDR inspires cooperation and collaboration, builds the team up, serves others, gathers team sentiment and feedback, and coaches the team and or shares potential solutions to leadership. Yeah, I, I, this is great. I love this. Um, it's just so comprehensive. And yeah, I think people want to feel that they're being judged on their total contribution correct to the organization that's right and this really does that i mean there's no escaping the first is hey i have certain things i got to get accomplished i have a quota and i have to send out my emails and phone calls but and make my phone calls but there's so much more to it right and we feel by by using these you know it it goes um it goes to the to the adage where focus goes energy flows Mm-hmm. You know, so we want everybody focused on these four key areas in, in building their skills and their competencies, and, and we want to set them up for success. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think, yeah, for people listening to this, I mean, this is, this is a great example of, uh, I think, a way that uh, assessing and measuring and assessing your people that, A, makes, it feels more inclusive, um, feels, uh, as I said, gives people hope that it's not just all on on one thing, right? That there's lots of pieces that contribute to their success. And that also for those who are looking at the future, it's what you're really doing is you're really training them, I believe, yeah. in what are the important things you need to master going forward? Because some of these things are definitely become of heightened importance as you move out of the SDR role. Oh, yeah. And if you're firing on all cylinders as an SDR and it's quantifiable through these yeah. standards, you know, you're going to hit that break even point so fast when you get to that next role, you're going to be a producer so much quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Okay, Ralph. All right. Fantastic. All right. As always, unfortunately we got to jump, but uh, people want to contact you. How can they do that? Uh, best way uh, to reach me is also on LinkedIn. It's simply my name, Ralph Barcy. Uh, and you can also check out my blog at ralphbarcy.com. As you should. It's a good blog. So, okay, Ralph, we'll do this again shortly. Sounds good, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my friend Ralph Barcy for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or review, let us know how we're doing, well, we'd appreciate it. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thank you for taking the time to do that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.